He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The, the coach, Keith Miller. They bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Great to be back in studio. First show of the new year. Happy New Year and holidays to all you guys out there. Tuning back in, listening to The Transparent Truth. I'm excited to be here. And uh, it's a five-star Friday. I got a special guest with me. But before I bring him in, I just want to say excited for the new year. It's going to be a great year. We're here with the Transparent Truth. A lot of high school coaches coming on. Got some college coaches scheduled to come on. Um, got some great players, college players, NFL players, former players, high school all-stars coming on. So got a great year planned. I'm excited to get it rolling. But uh, I hope you enjoyed Wednesday's show. This is the Friday matchup show. And, and we got our five, five-star Friday guests. I'm going to bring them in here really shortly. But before we do that, I always have to remind you on this show, we have a Sleeper of the Week. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, we're back. Thank you so much for joining me here on The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'd like to bring in a local high school coach who uh, I'm pretty fond of. Got a chance to meet this young gentleman years ago on the battlefield. Um, He's done nothing but great things uh, where he's been as an assistant and as a head coach a couple times. He's now at... Crespi High School. I want to bring in none other than Crespi High School head coach, Mr. Damian Porter. There were over 17,000 transfers last year in the CIF Southern section. Or I believe in the state okay. of California. Okay? okay. In terms of competitive equity, what solutions can be given or suggestions even to maybe cap those transfers? Can there, can there be a cap put on Sure. A per sure. school transfer acceptance. What do you think I, I about think, that? I think those are all those are all you know um, thoughts that I think could could and should be on the table. And that's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, I'm gonna ask you one question before I an- I answer yours. You said there were seventeen thousand, approximately seventeen thousand transfers. Would you happen to know the total number of athletic participants in the southern section, boy, girl? You know, total number of kids playing sports. And the reason I ask is I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know um, with that, that 17,000 uh, number of transfers, you know, is what does that number represent in terms of percentage and proportion to the total number of kids that are playing? I, I, what I'm getting at is, yeah, how many, this how many kids are transferring, but how right. is this 17,000 kids being represented in terms of percentage of kids that are totally playing after, uh, sports, right? Right. I don't, I don't have that number for you, but right. I can imagine 
Um, out of guess, uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a good number. I okay. I probably say and you know at least fifty percent. Okay. At least fifty percent. So you're talking what you know ninety you know nine thousand you know eighty five hundred kids who are transferring to play sports. Got it. Got it. Okay. So half are half are transfers for sports. Half are not transfers for sports. Right. So um, there, I mean, there you have it. Fifty percent of the kids are transferring for different reasons. With regards to your um, question about competitive equity, I think that's a much, much more complicated and complex issue than transfers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so many schools. There are 378 schools, 379 schools that are playing competitive sports um, in the southern section. Uh, and you talk about competitive equity, which has been spread out over 13 CIF divisions. And then, what, is it three city section divisions? So yes. we crown 16 champions every year, right? Right. Okay, so how do you make it so that it, there's more competitive balance? For example, uh, Pacifica wins Division Six, and they end up in a in a in a regional bowl game against Birmingham, right? So now you're pairing city sector champ with CIS sector champ, and in a contest that that wasn't very competitive, right? Uh, be, be, because I think another school dropped out of the bracket, and so everyone was bumped up the slot. So um, you're gonna have those sort of you're always gonna have those those. Um, Unforeseen mismatches with the with the regional bowl system. It's just like college football. You never know who's going to show up to play in a bowl game. Um, with regards to comparative equity overall, uh, capping the number on transcripts or transfers. Um, you know, there's a couple of different ways. I like what you said. You know, capping the number of transfers a school can get. Uh, that's certainly an option, and I never even thought about that. It's never it's never anything that I had even heard of. So I love that idea. But I also think you know if you put it back in on the families. You put it back on them, right? You give them the option, right? Because again, I'm about the families and the participants. Right. You give every kid a transfer, and there was once a time where you did get a free transfer. You know, about eight or nine years ago, the CAF they adopted it for one year. You can transfer for free after your freshman year, and they did it for a couple years. The numbers weren't crazy. There were no more transfers than there were now. So you give every kid a transfer the first time, and he goes for free. She goes for free. No, no sit out period. No change of address. Nothing. They don't like it there. They want to transfer again. Okay, well, now you're going to sit for half the season. They don't like that, school. they want to transfer again. Well, now you, you, you sit out for a whole year. You take the same, you know, uh, accountability, so to speak, uh, and you just apply it in a way that still gives the families a choice. You're giving them the choice sure. to make the decision as opposed to imposing some sanction or some punishment for making that decision. You allow them to transfer, and you're not going to see any more transfers. If everyone gets a free one, you're not going to see them happen at any more of a greater rate than they were before. Especially when you consider the second time you have to sit out anyway. So if you do that, you don't. You're not punishing families. You're giving families an option to make a choice, which is what this should be about. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What do you think about the option? Or not the option, but maybe, I mean, I know you don't like this, the imposed sanction, let the transfer period sit out for, for the last five games, including the playoffs. I think that would be a very, very strong deterrent if that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to deter people from transferring. And see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue against any, any policy that is meant to deter people. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think it. I don't like the idea of trying to deter people because, again, you have the. If I'm a have not, I, I don't want to be punished for transferring. That's a punishment. 
So yeah, I can transfer, but I have to sit out the last five games and the playoffs. That's a greater punishment than the current model. So that idea there that's being proposed is a greater sanction, is a greater, um, you know, punishment than the current model. Sure. You're going to sit out and miss the playoffs? What, what kids are doing now is they're saying, okay, I'll sit out the first five games, and if I go to the right school, I'm going to make up that these, these rep deficits in the playoffs. You know, if you, if you transfer to the right school, you know, there's some schools you know they're going to be three, four deep. So you're going to play eight, nine games if you only if you, if you miss out yes. on the first half of the season, right? Yes. You know, it's a calculated risk with most schools, but there are some schools that can guarantee you that. There are some schools that say, hey, listen, man, you're going to sit out the first five games, but we're going to play all the way through Christmas, and you're going to end up playing 12 games as opposed to 16. And families will sign up for that. Yeah. But anything that imposes... Mm-hmm. Hey, if you do this, I'm, we're going to do that. I think is a fundamentally flawed system that that punishes people for making a choice. So we're going to give them a choice and punish them for making it for making that choice. Right. And I just feel like you know, and I and 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 and, and if you if you say Damien, well, you just said you would have them sit out, you know, on their second transfer. Yes. Because, but I've already given them a first one. To me, that's reasonable. I, we've allowed you to transfer once, right? There was no sanction, no punishment. If you want to transfer again, now we, 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 we are aware that this is probably for, right? Athletic reasons. And in order to protect the competitive balance of our section, we're going to ask these kids who transfer the second time to sit out the first half, half of the season. I understand. How would you answer the fact that the the transfer game that's going on here, not just here, we talked about it kind of countrywide, but the transfer game is counter to the mission of high school athletics. How would you answer that? I woo. Okay. Um, when was the mission for high school athletics written? Probably a hundred years ago. And what are the differences in our society now than they were a century ago? Probably a ton. Okay, and so evolution as we change, so must our policies and our mission. Okay, it's the same thing with this. With, with the, the CIF is a governing body, just like the NC2A. Right. And college sports. Uh, there, there was a documentary on um, 100 years of college football, or 150 years of college football on ESPN. It was running all fall. You probably saw it, and they talked about how competitive, how college football began. Mm-hmm. Right. College football began. As a bunch with, with, with a bunch of sporty dudes, you know, uh, up in the Northeast, you know, competing in football, you know, Harvard and Yale and these guys, you know, playing pickup games. Yeah, like intramural. Mm-hmm. Intramural. Yes. That's how college athletics began. And so there was a time where the athletes in our countries were to be considered amateurs. Those times have changed. Why have they changed? Because of the business component. Okay, because of the revenue that's being generated with the eyes and attention and exposure that's being brought to these programs and these kids and and the amount of people that are making a ton of money off of this sport. You can't keep the same model in place. You can't continue to call these professional athletes amateurs because they're not amateurs. Society has changed, coach, but we must change. And so, yes, the mission as it was written that high school sports is supposed to be about X, Y, and Z. 
Nowhere in that mission does it say that it's, it's supposed to be about opportunity, though. And I think if you add the word opportunity to that mission, people will stop using that mission as a reason to be anti-transfer. Because people are attached to the mission and people fight change. No one wants to see change. It's hard to accept. But people have changed. Society have changed, has changed. And the have and have not environment of Southern California CIF competitive high school athletics has provided opportunities for families. And America was built on that. So as long as that's our defining principle, it's one of the foundational core you know, pillars of our country is building your own thing, doing your own thing, and taking advantage of the opportunities that being an American provides for you. I don't see how anyone can say you shouldn't be able to do this because you've already went to this school. But you shouldn't change schools for the mission of high school sports. Because if I change schools, coach, that mission is still the same. I can change schools and still be about hard work and, you know, brotherhood and, and, and overcoming adversity and all these lessons or all these missions that we talked about. One of the missions of, of, of competitive high school sports has been about community. Right. Yes. You know, you want to play for your community. And I yes. think that's ultimately what a lot of the sports writers and people are saying. Right. They want to see the kids in those communities. You know, I went to all these games when I was a kid. I was a ball boy in the seventh grade. And I was a ball boy and went to a camp in the eighth grade. And I've always wanted to be a crespy self. Right. Well, that's ideal. It's ideal, but it's not realistic anymore. We live in Southern California, the most transient city in the world, in America, is Los Angeles. Right, forty nope. percent of our occupants aren't even people that are from Los Angeles. Right, right. So we live in a transient city, which leads into transient communities. Kids are busing and driving all over Southern California to provide and and, and pursue the best opportunities. So most of these schools that are that are about these these communities and you know the one this one team one town mentality. Um, even I feel, I feel like even some of those schools. Have, have been willing to sacrifice that ideal um, in order to try to be a little bit more successful on the football field. Right or wrong, I'm not here to judge anyone, mm-hmm. but those are the facts of it. Those are, and that's, I, I'm here speaking the truth to the matter, not as my own like um, belief system. I have my opinion, but my opinions are largely based on the reality of the facts that I'm living and seeing every single day. Right. So right. does it take away, do transfers take away from, you know, the, the, the mission of, of high school sports? I don't know that I believe that because when we talk to young people about playing sports, you know, the opportunity to transfer is not one of the things that we talk about. I mean, I, no one says you have to be at my school for four years in order for you to get everything that you want to get out of being a high school athlete. Sometimes it's just not a good fit, especially when you start talking about private schools, man. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. It's not a good fit. I hear that. You know? Yeah. Sometimes it's not a good fit. Um, and sometimes you get inner city kids. You know, one of the things you said, he said, that you say, man, as a black coach, you know, how would you feel? Or what would you say to those families who feel like, you know, taking the, the, the inner city kids out to the suburbs? Well, what about the inner city kids that are going to the public schools? There are a bunch of public schools that draw inner city kids just as much as private schools. Those are the public schools that I, those are the public privates, I call them. Right, they're the public that have private school resources. Mm-hmm. 
they got a bunch of LA kids and there's a there's a bunch of schools out in our district. Sure. <laughs> right? Sure. They got a bunch of kids that I coached a kid at Luzinger whose cousin plays in the Canal Valley. Right. So yeah, and, and, and he ain't paying tuition. He ain't in no private school. He has public school. <laughs> so what about those schools? That are that it what, what about those parents? Why would why would this kid's mom allow him to go to school in the Canejo Valley and he live in Inglewood? Right. I get it. Right? Sure. You know? Um I you know, he probably could have been in one of those schools, you know, Lawndale, Lulinger, or Hawthorne. Um, but I was a coach and a teacher in a in a struggling school district and I talked to those parents a lot. And I, you know, when when I was there, we lost kids to private schools. <laughs> right. And and not because they didn't like me or the program or the school. Choice, opportunity. Every parent told me the exact same thing. Coach, we love you. We love everything that you're doing here. We respect you. We got to go take this opportunity, though. Right. And I couldn't blame them for it. I didn't want to see the kids leave. No coach wants to see kids leave this program, but I'm also a realist. Right. And what did I say at the very beginning? I'm about who? The kids. kids. Yeah. I've been I've 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 been in that situation myself as a coach. I sure. I remember, you know, intentionally not asking a parent to send their kid to Inglewood High School because of how poor the school was. And it, I I would feel sick to my stomach about asking a parent to send their kid there. Right. Where I was coaching. Right. So right. I've, I've, could, I've been there. Yes. Right. Right. You could provide the resources, and 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 there is what you just said was okay. I would feel bad. So now you're talking about a guilty coach, right? You know what I'm saying? So now you're a coach who's having a conflict between trying to build a competitive program and trying to do the right thing for a kid. Sure. You should be. You should be in that situation. The the the, the state is supposed to provide the Inglewood Unified School District the kind of resources that they need to develop their students and their athletes so that the coach doesn't have to be compelled to deal with that guilt and and, and, and face those difficult choices. And, and, and most coaches wouldn't have done that. Uh, so I salute you uh, for keeping it 100 with that family and, and, and allowing them to move on and find a better opportunity, right? That's right. Because I'm sure that kid probably could have helped you on your campus, probably could have helped you win some games too. No question but, about it. But you, but you did what was best for that kid and his family. And ultimately, I think if you, if, if you, myself, or anyone else can say with a straight face, hey, the most important thing is the kid, then all this other stuff that we're talking about, these ramifications and all these policies and enforcement and these rules and sanctions and you know punishment, none of that stuff is an issue if you find the right solution for each kid to be able to do what's best for him without fear of tradition um, or old school mission. I say let's read, let's take our old mission statement and let's rewrite it. Let's write a new mission statement. Yeah, and and, and I hear that. Um, you know, what would how would you answer folks who say, you know, the system doesn't need to acknowledge the business component. You talked about the business component and how things have evolved, but what would you say to folks who say? The system does not need to acknowledge the business component. High school sports need to be high school sports. And, yep. and if you want business, then go to club route. Right. Sure. Uh, okay. So 
when you enter the when you enter the private school, right? You can't have private school without business model, right? Right. Okay, so you enter private schools into, and maybe the, maybe that's a different question, it's a different topic. But once you enter private schools into the equation, business becomes a part of it because now parents are having to pay tuition. And when if I have to pay you something, that's a business transaction. That's going how much I'm paying you and how often I'm paying you is going to affect my decision. It's going to, and 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 and, and from the school's perspective. Right? How much aid do I have to give this kid? Right? Um, um, can they afford to be here? Are they the right fit? We have to consider that too. Right. Those are those are both business decisions. I don't think the business side of it um, is, is 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 as prevalent. Um, if you're at a public school, you know where I was, there was never any business um, element or you know business decisions that I had to make. You know, I have a budget. I have a budget. I didn't have you know. Um, a bunch of money to manage so there was no no business the only like business that decisions that were being made as a public school coach the only business decisions that were being made were on behalf of our family right like the kids who left they made business decisions because they were going from from a free school to a school that was going to ask them to pay tuition that's a business decision right sure I think that's only but that's it when I say business, that's what I'm talking about. Parents having to make a decision to fork over cash when they could not have to, when, when they don't have to. That's a business decision. I'm going to make a sacrifice. We're going to move to a cheaper house or a lesser district or we're going to not spend as much money on our social activities or we're going to, you know, we're going to borrow some money, uh, take out a loan against the mortgage, right, or, 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 or refinance our house um, and take the equity um, and, and, and use that to pay some tuition. Like, those are all business decisions and families are being forced to have to make them. So they can transfer. <laughs> so their child can go play volleyball at another school. Right. Um, so I, I would say that by when you eliminate this whole, you know, transfer policy, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna take some stress away from some some families um, and, and 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 schools in terms of that business aspect. But from the public school side. Um, you know, very few public schools are dealing with uh, business components. You know, there's some schools that have budgets and they operate at a high level um, and they can pay their coaches well and provide the best uniforms and equipment, you know, technology resources. Um, but because public schools coach are a byproduct of the, 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 the taxpayer community. Sure. You know, the taxpayers in the community are the ones who fund the school. And the lower the property taxes, the lower the school budget. The higher the property taxes, the more the school budget. Sure. And ultimately, where we live affects, from the public school perspective, where we live affects the amount of resources that are going to be provided to our local school. And so that is sort of the business component, not from our perspective, from the local level, but from the state level. You, you, you can't ignore it. It comes down to money. There's no question. I think that begs the question, Coach. Do private schools need their own section? Because right now, as, as, as we've talked about it, we've dialogued through it. There's and we talked about the word fair, so I'm not going to use that. But yep. the unbalance yep. is disproportionate, right? Yep. It's ridiculous. So do private schools need their own section here in the CIF? Ooh. All right. Now, so 
I've been a part of this argument too, this debate too, private versus public, as a guy that's been in both two mm-hmm. publics and one private now. Sure. The perception is that pub that private schools are dominating the, the competition, right? Right. Okay. Did you watch the Division Three uh, state championship or Division Three finals this year? The Sierra Canyon. No, I'm sorry, Division Two. Okay. The, uh, Sierra Canyon was Division Two. Um, Division Three was uh, Corona Del Mar. Uh, yeah. Grace Brethren. Who right. won that game? Corona Del Mar. Right. Um, if you take Modern Day and Bosco out, I think competitive equity has sort of solved that issue. You had, you know, a couple public school champions at the high level, or you had Pacifica. Who, who won our division. Um, I think you had Aquinas, who won Division 5. Um, I think over time, uh, competitive equity will make it easier for public schools to find that balance. Outside of modern day in Bosco, and, and, and maybe if, if you take this, just take the Trinity League out, it's tough to do it, but just for the sake of the argument, right? I don't think that, that there's that much imbalance, especially what I see happening in the Inland Empire. Right, mm-hmm. especially what I see happening now up in Palmdale. Right, the programs up there are growing. The program, the populations are growing up there. There's a lot of people moving north to, to, to Palmdale, Lancaster, and there's a bunch of families moving east to, to the Inland Empire. Sure, i.e. And so if you you do this, when we're done with this podcast, you go back, you look through all 13 brackets, and you tell me how many i.e. teams you saw that were in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right, all the Centennial can compete with any, any private school. Right, um, and if you take if you if you took the, if you took if you took modern day Bosco out, Corona Centennial would be Division One champs every year, right? Pretty okay. much. So let me ask you this: Yeah, Corona Centennial rules their their they rule the IE. Yes. How about the how about the disparity between them and everyone else in the Inland Empire? You have one public that's ruling the entire region. To me, that's imbalance. Right, but no one will talk about that. No one will talk about how Corona Del Mar every or Corona Centennial every single year is running the IE. Yeah, because I think they don't have a competitive advantage, right? They don't have they don't have a resource advantage um, that's already you know established at the school, right? But I think they, but I think they do. I think their coach is a competitive advantage. I think his resources are a competitive advantage, right? He's got like four or five full time coaches on his staff. Um, he's got a system set up that allows him to teach PE, uh, two PE classes a day. Like the public schools have the opportunity to do some of the things. He's in a school district. He's in a. He's not a single school district. There are other schools in his district. How come the other schools haven't taken the same steps that that, that, that Corona Centennial has taken in terms of providing resources? Their weight room is different than the other weight rooms in their district. It's bigger. It's better. They have more equipment. Why is that? They're, they're not invested. They're not invested they're not, like Corona invested. Centennial is. When I when I was at Luzinger, Lawndale had twice the resources that we have: better locker room, better coaching offices, better uniforms, better better facilities, everything. Same school. They're, they're a half a mile apart. Sure, absolutely. Two totally different campuses. Mm-hmm. How, how how is it that Lawndale's got like you know brand new construction? Luzinger still sits in its original construction from 1937. This is true. Um. So there's there's some public school disparity as well as private 
public disparity. Your original question was, do I believe that the schools should be separate? Um, I would first need to know how many private schools there are. Are there enough private schools to make an individual um, you know, section for just private, like they do in other states, Texas and Florida? Because I know in those states, the, the, those privates want nothing to do with those public schools. Nothing. I think with, with the exception of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, public, private schools do not want to play public schools in those two states, especially Texas. Right, hundred percent. They're the landscape is different. Um, you know, you you have one high school every you know sixteen, seventeen miles, not not every two miles, right? So you don't you don't have the same population density that we have here. They're much bigger landscape, much fewer schools uh, per dis, per capita. So you get a bunch of schools that have four or five thousand kids, as opposed to two thousand kids. Instead of having forty kids on a football team, you have eighty kids on the football team. And so if, if, that, if that was the landscape in Southern California, I don't think competitive balance would be an issue. But because of our population density, the, 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 the mobility of a lot of families, they can, get, they can drive 30 minutes and drive past seven schools. Right? So all of these options and opportunities that are being presented are, with, are what, what creates the competitive imbalance combined with the lack of equitable resources among all the competing schools. And as long as there's a have and have not when it comes to resources, there's going to be a competitive imbalance. Um, we can't blame the families. for the, the families aren't driving this competitive advantage. The state is. The state and the, and, and the school districts want more competitive balance. They need to invest more in their programs. And, the, and, and the, the families won't feel so compelled to leave. Adequate resources, competitive balance, transfers, not transferring. Yep. Got yep. a, you got a good point. That's, that that is what you will have because people aren't transferring for no reason. They're not. No, of course not. Right. But the, so so let me ask you this: They're right? being so recruited. They're being recruited. That's right. <laughs> they're being recruited. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're they're being presented. They're being presented with opportunities. Sure. Right. That that, that that's what I, that's my cold word for recruit. Right. We're going to prevent some opportunities for kids. <laughs> man. <laughs> hey, I get right? it. So, yes. So college football adopted the transfer portal, right? Yep. A year ago, um, and one of the one of the more common um, criticisms of transfers is that they don't want to compete. This kid left because he didn't want to compete, right? So I'm watching the college football playoffs a week ago, and I'm watching Ohio State transfer quarterback um, play against Clemson, uh, um, uh, LSU, right? Right. Ohio State, LSU are playing both of them with transfer quarterbacks who just got on campus six months ago. Mm-hmm. Both of them lost QB battles at their previous schools. Joe Burrow was at Ohio State. Got beat out twice. He left him with LSU. Justin Fields got beat out twice. He left and went to Ohio State. Now, both of these both of these kids are playing in the college football playoffs. Is that a good opportunity for them? No one told, no one, I didn't hear any. I was all over Twitter which, when Joe Burrow gave his husband acceptance speech and I was looking. I was scrolling. Okay, I was, I was um, like doing everything I could to find one person who had a negative comment about the fact that Joe Burrow was a transfer. Not one. No, you, were, you weren't going to see it. That's right. Nobody, and, and the guy he beat, Justin Fields was a transfer. These, those kids left because they wanted an opportunity. The idea 
that I should sit and wait my turn is ridiculous. Just because it used to be that way doesn't mean it has to be that way forever. There used to be things a lot of there used to be a lot of things done in this country for a long time that we had to stop doing because it wasn't the right thing to do anymore, right? <laughs> so just just because people would evolve because people evolve in circumstances and and and, and life changes, we had to stop being so um, close-minded, close-minded, and more willingness to adapt. What is Darwin's law? If you fail to adapt, what happens? A right? die. A die. Right. Adapt or die. The environment is changing. As yeah. coaches, as as administrators, as teachers, as CIF people, we need to change. We need to evolve with 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 with, with the, the times. Sure. The times. Sure. We're still stuck in 1975 and 1980. We still want old school rivalries and old school traditions. Um, it's just not that anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and if you're a coach now, your 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 parents are your customers. <laughs> your, your your kids are your customers. So it's, it's not about you, the coach anymore, being the king of the town. As, as a coach, your role has changed now. You 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 got to adapt, um, and sometimes you got to re-recruit your own guys. <laughs> or they'll jump in that portal, coach. That's right. <laughs> you know, yeah, but you 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 better be talking to your families. You better be talking to your kids um, about their future. You, you you better be engaged with each family to know why they're at your school, and that you know they they, they there's a there better be a dialogue that helps them to feel like they they can come to you and, and ask questions and, and express concerns because there are other people that are making them promises. There there are other people that are selling them on dreams. You know, and the better school you're at, the easier that is for you. Don't get me wrong, right? Sure. It, it, retaining kids at Luzinger was much, much more difficult than it is to retain kids at Crespi. I'm not here to. Say, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, though, as a coach, no matter where you are, um, you, 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 you better have uh, an open form of communication with all of your kids, and it better be ongoing on a year-round basis because they are going to camps and they are playing seven on seven. And because why? They're looking for opportunities, not necessarily opportunities to leave your school. But if you're a high school coach, you have, and you're a good coach, and you you want to attract good players, you're going to have kids who have college aspirations, and they're going to want to go to camps, and they're going to want to travel and do seven on seven. And you got to know if your kids are doing that, there's someone, you know, bringing them flowers every day. There's yeah. someone telling them how good they are every day. There's no question. There's someone making them promises every day. Yeah. So. That's a part of it. You don't. We don't. We, you, you, you can't say, "Okay, I'm. A, I want the job," but then complain about all the aspects of the job. If you're going to take the job, you have to accept the responsibilities. Um, and in this case, we're talking about you know evolution and accept it as and that has to be a part of your coaching philosophy moving forward is adapting to the the, 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 the wants and needs and desires of your student athletes. I think that's the key. And if you do that, they won't leave. I agree. You know, now if you've got two Division One quarterbacks in your program, well, one's probably going to leave. One's probably going to leave, coach. Yep. You know, <laughs> just as simple as that. Two Division One running backs, one's probably going to leave, and that's not a problem that everyone has. That's only, like I said, the Ohio State of the world. You know, the the, the Clemson's of the world. You know, they would, they do a good job. The better, the best programs do a good job, and they do. They are some of them are stacked with multiple NFL. You know, caliber kids, or here in the southern section, right? There are some private schools, man, and some public schools, man. That you know, they they may have backups that are really good players. Absolutely. 
because those coaches and those schools do a really good job attracting kids. And so the kids go, you know, they get sold on, hey, come in and compete. The kid goes and he loses out and goes, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else so I can play. That's, that's, what, that's what Justin Fields did. That's what Joe Burrow did. They were both committed to those institutions that they signed those letters of intent with. And, you know, Joe Burrow stuck around for three years before he decided to leave. So <laughs> he stuck with it. You know, Justin Fields didn't wait as long, but he's playing behind the underclassmen, and he's going, man, I can play right now. He proved it. No doubt. You know, I, I, I have a hard time, you know, seeing, you know, uh, any any kid or family from that, from that perspective um, and not wanting to allow them uh, to pursue, you know, their goals and dreams. And no, all transfers do not work out. And yes, there are some. Um, casualties, some ones, there are, sure. Yeah, there's some casualties, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, just like anything else in life, nothing's perfect. But the idea, the total big picture aspect of it, um, choice and opportunity, uh, choice and opportunities, man, is uh, that's where we are. You know, we got to stop fighting it, accept it, evolve. No, I hear you, man. You make a compelling argument, and and hopefully it gave uh, our listeners and our fans out there something to think about, something to talk about with their kids, with their student athletes, and something for coaches to think about. You talk Absolutely. about uh, integrity. Uh, you're talking about doing the right things in terms of dealing with your kids. You're talking about re-recruiting your kids. Um, you know, this thing is bigger than winning just football games. Much bigger than Absolutely. winning football games. You Absolutely. are a mentor. You are somebody these kids are watching on a daily basis. And if you're willing to do things the wrong way, you are then giving them the green light to do things the wrong way in their own life, which could very well come back to haunt them in the most devastating ways as they become young adults and then adults, so um, definitely some some food some food for thought, and uh, definitely for something for uh, you know the the society in general, but here in the southern section specifically to continue talking about and see if we can't come up with some answers um, that can help benefit the kids because at the end of the day that that's what this thing is about. Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate you for joining me here on the Transparent Truth. Please don't be a stranger to the show. Come back. Look forward to getting with you during the season, checking in on those crispy Celts, and because uh, I know you guys got some big things planned for next year. So, again, thank you so much for joining the show. Really enjoyed having you. Thank you for having me, man. I look forward to talking to you anytime you want to have this discussion, man. I'm open. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Damian Porter, head coach, Crespi High School, here on the Transparent Truth. And now uh, I'd like to bring this show to a close. Thank you so much. A two-part show as Coach Damian Porter um, had a lot to say and made some very, very strong arguments for pro transfer. And I think he's right about a lot of things. Wanted to get a chance to get him on air and share his thoughts, his perspectives, his point of view. And I think he did a really good job of um, expressing himself and uh, making himself clear on where he stands and why he believes and what he believes in. So it was great to have him on the show. Please check back next week. Transparent Truth, you know we got it popping. Coach Keith, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.